Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust. Hi, I'm Dr. Yana Weinstein, a professor at UMass Lowell. And I'm Dr. Megan Samaraki, a professor at Rhode Island College. The two of us co-founded the Learning Scientist Project, and we apply cognitive psychology to education for students, teachers, and parents. Over the past few decades, cognitive psychology has come up with a few key strategies that can be helpful to students. These strategies are space practice, retrieval practice, interleaving, elaboration, dual coding, and concrete examples. Over the next six months, we'll be going in-depth into one of these strategies per month. We'll record a podcast that talks about the strategy and then a shorter episode where we talk about some specific research findings related to that strategy. So today we're introducing retrieval practice. And retrieval practice is all about bringing information to mind. This happens when you take a practice test, but you don't necessarily need to take a practice test in order to engage in retrieval practice. Really, any type of activity that helps you bring information to mind is going to be a retrieval practice activity. And retrieval practice is actually really beneficial in a few different ways. And some of them are obvious and some of those ways are less obvious. So the more obvious way is that when you bring information to mind, like on a practice test, you're giving yourself information about what you know and what you don't know. This can allow you to allocate your study time more effectively. It gives you feedback on what you know and what you don't know. It can also be pretty motivating. So for a student who is studying at home on their own, they might you know, try to take a practice test, not get the mark that they're hoping to get, and then maybe this motivates them to study more to try and improve their score. These are what we would call indirect benefits of retrieval practice because retrieval is causing this other thing and that thing is producing learning. So retrieval practice is giving you feedback and maybe knowing what you know and what you don't know leads you to do something that causes learning. But there's also a direct effect of retrieval practice and a bunch of studies have shown that bringing information to mind is changing the information and making it easier for you to recall it later. So it's making it more durable and it's also making it easier for you to apply the information in new situations. And then on top of it, after you practice retrieval, when you restudy information, you're actually learning more from that restudy opportunity than you were just if you had just restudied on your own without practicing retrieval. So all of these benefits, knowing what you know and what you don't know, the direct benefits of retrieval practice, and these um, effects that occur after retrieval practice all just sort of pile on to make this one of the most useful strategies for the classroom and for students studying at home. So we've just heard about how retrieval practice can be a really effective study strategy, but do students actually do this when they're studying on their own? Well, not really. Typically, students tend to use retrieval practice more as a check to see how much they know so that they know what to study later. So they might take a practice test, but what they don't realize is that that practice test is actually helping them learn the information. So when asked, students typically report retrieval practice as being something that they use occasionally, but not very much. So for example, in one survey, only 11% of students spontaneously listed retrieval practice as a strategy that they use to prepare for tests. And only 1% of the students students surveyed said that this was their top study strategy. And these are university students, so really they should be really good at studying by now, right? They've gone through 13 years of 
primary and secondary education, and now they're at university, they should be experts at studying and learning information, and yet they're not using the strategies that are the most effective. So why is this? And one of the reasons is that practicing retrieval is hard. And when you're practicing retrieval, that is when you're trying to bring information to mind from memory, it can feel like you don't know very much. So one way of practicing retrieval might be just to grab a piece of paper and write down everything you know about a topic from memory. If you don't remember very much, it's going to feel bad and it's going to feel like you don't know much. And so if I then ask you, okay, after doing this exercise, how well do you think you're going to do on the upcoming exam? You're likely to be pretty underconfident and say, hmm, I'm not going to do very well. If on the other hand, you'd been reading and rereading and rereading, the information would have been more fluent the more you read it. And so you would feel like you were learning. Whereas in fact, you weren't. So people who restudy by rereading tend to be overconfident. Then on a later test, those people who practice retrieval actually do better than they expected, while the people who reread and reread do worse and are disappointed. Yes, this is like, you know, students come into our office and they say, I don't understand why I didn't do well on this exam. I studied and studied and studied. I thought I was going to be do really well. What happened? And I'll say, okay, well, why don't you tell me how you studied for the exam and the students will say, well, I went I went through my book and I went through the notes from class and I went over and over and over. A lot of times they'll even say I highlighted the important information and then reread the highlighting. I spent a couple hours on this. I really thought I was going to do well. What happened? And I always have to say, think back to the very first day of class when we talked about those effective study strategies. Um, Yana and I always try to talk to our students about effective study strategies at the beginning of our classes so that our students are at least a little bit better in the know. And I'll say, okay, you need to think about practicing retrieval and think about spacing out your studying don't just cram and repeatedly read right before right before the exam and we'll talk about spaced practice next month so one of the important things to know about retrieval practice is that the effects the benefits come out after a bit of a delay if the test is coming up in two minutes and the student is just sitting there outside of the room then sure rereading might help because all the student's going to do is regurgitate that information immediately and then forget it but if the exam is later even just one day later then retrieval practice is going to be a more effective strategy. And so it's really important to realize retrieval practice is extremely beneficial in the long run. It makes the information more durable. It makes students more flexible at using the information. When a student practices retrieval, even just writing out on a blank sheet of paper what they can remember or drawing what they know from memory in a diagram form or some other visual, it actually makes it easier for them to apply what they know later on. And so the student is good at remembering the facts, information, but it also makes them more flexibly able to use those facts in future situations. So for an example, in an experiment that I've conducted and I'm working on publishing, the students read about the water cycle and then they either wrote out what they knew or typed it into the computer or they sketched what they could remember in a diagram form. And then later on, a week later, we gave them a final exam to measure how much they had learned. And the students who practiced retrieval were much better at being able to produce the information, the facts, like what is precipitation? What are aquifers? But they were also really good at applying what they knew to new situations. So one of the questions asked them to imagine a situation where the water cycle was occurring without gravity. Of course, they never actually read about this in their text, but if they understand the system really well, they're going to be able to answer the question. And the students who practiced retrieval were much better at this. They were able to say, well, if there's no gravity, then the aquifers are going to dry up and it's going to affect 
affect the cycle in XYZ way. They were much better at applying what they knew. So this isn't just about memorization, although they can memorize facts this way and you need to know the facts in order to apply the facts. It's also about truly understanding the information and being able to apply it flexibly in the future. As teachers, we can think about how we could integrate retrieval practice into our classes. And what's really exciting is that there's many different ways that retrieval practice can be implemented. It doesn't have to be a formal quiz or practice test. We can think about ways that we can implement it in a game-like fashion. So I have a colleague who likes to play Jeopardy with her students a couple of times in the semester to prepare them for the tests. Or you can start the class with a starter question or have an exit question. These are low stakes, maybe even no stakes retrieval practice opportunities. So they shouldn't be producing any kind of test anxiety in the students. Instead, it's just an opportunity for the students to bring information to mind from memory. Actually, speaking of anxiety, a really interesting study came out recently showing that retrieval practice can actually lower test anxiety. This might be somewhat counterintuitive. I often get asked, don't you worry about over-testing your students and that they're going to get anxious about all these tests? And actually, if you think about it, it's sort of like exposure. If quizzing and practice tests become part of the normal everyday classroom experience, the anxiety just melts away because Every little test has almost no stakes attached to it. And when you go into the exam, then you're doing something that you're doing on a daily basis in class already. So it's not scary or different or new. It's just something that you're used to doing. Yeah, and our, our colleague, um, Dr. Cindy Niebel and myself went to Columbus, Ohio recently and talked to a lot of professors at um, Columbus State Community College. And one of the professors there was talking about giving quizzes every day in her math class. And she mentioned giving them a quiz every single day. These were for points. They never had exams, but just always had a quiz. And at first, the students seemed bothered by this or seemed like they were having a hard time. But eventually, they were like, bring it on. Where's the quiz? And she actually even said that in future semesters, she hadn't redesigned all of her classes. And she had some students who had had the quizzing format in her previous class say, well, why are you giving us exams? Give us, give us the daily quizzes. They were actually requesting it in future math classes, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and I actually hear this all the time from people who have implemented quizzing in their classes. They say, you know what? The students really buy into it. They really love it. They can see that I care about their learning and that the reason I'm putting all these quizzes in isn't to make them feel bad or have them do something needlessly difficult. It's actually helpful to their learning. And so after that initial, whoa, why is there a quiz every day? They really get used to it and enjoy it and even ask their professors to give them more quizzes or ask those professors that don't give quizzes to implement them. A friend of mine at St. Bonaventure University, Althea Bauernschmidt, always tells her students, I quiz because I care. I quiz because I care. I think that's really important, explaining to students why we do what we do. So for example, I teach an online class where I never see the students face to face. But in that first week, I explain to them in detail why there are so many quizzes in the course. And I actually ask them, hey, what do you think of this? Do you think it's too much? Do you understand my reasons why? And they all reply saying, you know, when I first looked at the syllabus, I thought, man, there are a lot of quizzes in this class. And then now that you've explained it to me, it makes perfect sense. We're talking a lot about quizzes and practice tests because those are probably the easiest ways to implement retrieval practice in the classroom, especially higher level classrooms like university, college students. But there are other ways of doing this too. And you can get creative as long as the students 
students are bringing information to mind with their course materials put away, they're practicing retrieval. One way of doing this might be to ask the students to create a concept map of what they know. And this would be especially useful if the information that they're learning is related to a lot of other pieces of information, if they need to understand a lot of interrelationships. But if they're creating that concept map from memory, in other words, they're not looking at their text and then drawing the concept map, but they're actually sitting down with the sheet of paper in front of them trying to produce it on their own, now it's a retrieval practice activity and it's going to benefit learning a whole lot more than just trying to create a concept map with the textbook open in front of them. We've talked about a few different ways that teachers can implement retrieval practice in their classrooms, but what about students, perhaps older students, practicing retrieval on their own? I often get asked, is it a good idea to have students create their own questions and then answer them instead of giving them practice questions? Well, it's a bit tricky. It can be a good thing, but only if the students are really good at creating their own questions. Typically, unless students have been carefully taught and scaffolded in creating their own questions, they're likely to pick out information that's not necessarily the key information that you want them to learn. So if you can, I would recommend giving students practice questions that they can use in their own time to practice retrieval rather than putting the onus on them to come up with their own questions. And these questions can just be open-ended prompts, like explain the process of photosynthesis, explain the different aspects of an animal cell and what the components do. Just sort of open-ended questions that sort of prompt the students to try to produce as much information as they can. I've actually done some research that shows that these prompting questions aren't necessarily going to improve learning above and beyond just practicing free recall, but the students do seem to like it, and as long as they're practicing retrieval, this is going to be much better than if they're just rereading, which is what they tend to do on their own. One kind of popular way of practicing retrieval is to use flashcards. So the idea behind flashcards is to write perhaps a question on one side of the card, and then the answer on the other. Or if you're doing vocabulary words in different languages, then you might have one language on one side, one on the other. I'm saying this because some students don't realize that you have to put something on one side, something on the other. So it's important to point that out. Now, how should one practice retrieval using flashcards? Well, the idea is that you look on one side, which perhaps has the question on it, and then you try to come up with the answer from memory. Then you might check to see if you got the answer right. But here's the problem. A lot of students will flip that card too quickly. So they'll look at the front of the card with the question. It will seem familiar to them and they'll say, oh yeah, I think I remember what this is. And then as they're trying to remember it, they flip the card and they see the answer. So now what they've done is they've looked at the question and then they've looked at the answer and they think, oh yeah, I knew that. Or yeah, I remember seeing that before. They'll feel like they're learning it, but really they haven't. They're just reading. They're reading the question and they're reading the answer, which is not the same thing as bringing information to mind or practicing retrieval. And another common misconception is that students will often say that making the flashcards is the part that's really important. They think by writing down all the information and organizing it on their flashcards that that is really what produces the learning. And I think Yana has a story about her students from research methods and how they really wanted to know whether it was the making of the flashcards or the using the flashcards. Yeah, so I teach this class. It's a research class where the students actually have to come up with their own research idea, run a project, so collect data, analyze the data, present and write up the data, and then the ideas that they've learned how to do research, or at least had an experience of doing research. And it's kind of funny because with the effective strategies for learning that we're talking about on this podcast, including, say, retrieval practice, and they have this kind of funny reaction where they say, okay, um, 
I'm graduating. So right now I'm finding out about all these effective study strategies and I'm never going to be able to use them. So thanks for that. You know, I say, well, you might learn something else one day. And, you know, at that point, they're not convinced they'll ever need to study anything ever again. But it's kind of funny and, and sad that they haven't been exposed to these strategies earlier on in their education. In any case, I showed one group of students these strategies and they particularly were interested in retrieval practice with flashcards. They said, oh yeah, 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 we use flashcards. We totally do this. Um, and one of them said, so yeah, what I really love about flashcards is actually the making of them. So I sit there and I, I make them really pretty. I write something on one side, something on the other. And it's really this process of creating the flashcards that helps me remember the information. Not practicing retrieval, this thing. I don't do that. But making the flashcards is really great. And my reaction was, well, uh, I don't know any research on this, but I really think it would be practicing retrieval that would help rather than just making the flashcards. Because when you're making the flashcards, you could just be copying information from the textbook onto the cards and that's not really a very effective way to study. The student and the rest of her group were pretty adamant that the making of the flashcards was important. So I said, hey, this is your perfect chance to prove me wrong. Why don't you just run this study? Have one group of students make flashcards and another group study them. And so that's exactly what they did. They got a list of rivers in the US, so rivers matched by state, the state that they were in. And they handed one set of participants this list and blank flashcards. And so the task the participants had to engage in was creating flashcards. And then they had a test. The next group of participants who came in were given the flashcards created by the first group. Now their task was to practice retrieval with the flashcards. They didn't have to make them from scratch. They were pre-made by the other group, but they just spent the same amount of time actually practicing retrieval. They also had a test and guess who was right? Obviously I wouldn't be telling you this story if I wasn't right. So yeah, it was indeed the practicing of retrieval with flashcards and not the creating of flashcards that helped memory. You might be thinking at this stage that flashcards are only for retrieving fact-based information. So maybe a definition of a term or something like that. Well, that's not really the case. You can use flashcards to practice retrieval on more complex information. And we have a really cool post on our blog that was written by a student in my lab. And here's what she does. She creates two stacks of flashcards. One stack has perhaps concepts and definitions. The other stack has directions or actions. So for example, she might pick two concepts from the concept pile and then a card from the directions pile that will say, how do these two differ? Or explain how these two are similar or draw a picture explaining this concept. And so then every time you do that retrieval practice activity, rather than just retrieving definitions, you're actually working with the material in a more complex way. And then finally, a lot of us probably feel like once you retrieve some information or once you're able to solve the retrieval problem, which is what cognitive psychologists would call that, being able to bring the information to mind on your own, you might think, well, now I know it, so I can just put it away. If you're using flashcards, you might even think, now I can drop this card from my deck. I can get rid of it. And that's actually what a lot of study strategy textbooks tell you to do when you're studying for large standardized tests. But actually, research has shown that when you repeatedly retrieve information, even after you've solved that retrieval problem, you've shown that you can actually produce the information on your own, it actually still helps learning, whereas continuing to look at it isn't going to help. 
And so um, in one study, the subjects were learning Swahili uh, English word pairs. So somewhat basic materials, although foreign vocabulary, foreign vocabulary words. And after the students were able to successfully retrieve the information, the specific items were either dropped from their deck or they restudied them or retested on them. And a week later, they took an exam. And so what's important to realize is that every single student in this experiment is getting up to 100% success during learning. They're quote-unquote mastering these Swahili English word pairs. And yet a week later, the group that dropped the flashcards from the deck are only getting about 20%, whereas the students who practiced retrieval, retrieval multiple times the ones who retrieved it accurately and then retrieved it again and then retrieved it again were performing much higher, somewhere around uh, maybe 70%. To sum up, here's what we talked about today. We talked about retrieval practice. That's bringing information to mind from memory. We mentioned that students don't really do this as much as they should. We talked about different ways it can be implemented, not just with practice quizzes, but also with games, with concept maps and drawings. As long as they're bringing information to mind, students are engaging in retrieval practice. It's important to remember that retrieval practice is going to be hard, at least at first, and we need to remind students that that's okay and it's actually a good thing. And finally, students shouldn't stop practicing retrieval when they think they've learned the information. So in future episodes, we'll talk about some of the other strategies for effective learning that can be combined with retrieval practice to really help students learn both in the classroom and when they're studying at home on their own. The best way to contact us is to go to www.learningscientists.org and scroll down to the bottom of the homepage and click on the Contact Us form. See you next time. The Learning Scientist podcast is funded by The Wellcome Trust.